Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey alongside our host, Kim Bilotto, broadcasting this week from Shale Studios. Kim, we've got such a great show lined up today. We've got the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, Alex Epstein, on the line. Plus, you are going to have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful Palm Restaurant in Houston. But Kim, before we bring Alex Epstein on, let's talk about what's going on in Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. Well, you know, Alvin, every week we really try to give an update to our followers, our readers in the magazine, uh, as well as the oil show, what we are up to. We're the only statewide publication that's really focusing on both Eagle Ford, Permian Basin, and world issues. Um, and so our magazine has been doing a lot again this week. We just returned from our SA to DC trip. We went down there uh, and we're working hand in hand with a couple of the chambers in the San Antonio area to get our point across on how important energy is and energy topics and make that a part of hopefully the discussion as we move closer into an election period with our new president. So our position was to go and talk about bills that we supported um, and talk about how important energy is to the state of Texas and to the United States and asked our uh, elected officials to uh, remember that we um, are here to talk to them about um, all the different bills and uh, different pieces of legislation that are up right now. Now, how was SA received in D.C.? Oh, you know, it was amazing. Um, our reception in the evening, we had Speaker Paul Ryan there to speak to us, as well as there were many elected officials. Some were there that we had had on the show before. Uh, Congressman Babin was there. We had Lloyd Doggett. Um, we had William Hurd there as well. So it was a great night. There were a lot of elected officials from San Antonio. We had the district attorney there, Nico LaHood. The mayor, Ivy Taylor, was there from San Antonio. It was really San Antonio's opportunity to talk about the things that are really important to the city of San Antonio. And I, I believe that every chamber in every state usually does take a delegation of, of folks up and talk to the elected officials about the things that really matter to their hometown. Now, specifically, some of the, you know, Mayor Taylor and, and Nico LaHood, what is their position on energy in D.C.? Well, there were many different committees that were set up. Some were uh, energy doesn't just encompass oil and gas. It encompasses for San Antonio, the municipalities, since since the city has the municipalities for, the, for energy like CPS and, and SAWS. So Mayor uh, Taylor, I believe, was there to support all the different committees from transportation, water, energy. There were many different uh, areas that we looked at. One of the most interesting one is cybersecurity. It's a huge issue and a huge topic, and so I believe this is where some of the elected officials, such as Nico LaHood, headed down there to talk about how important it is uh, and this topic. But, you know, it also has a lot to do with oil and gas, too, because I think there's all kinds of businesses can be victimized in uh, a cyber attack. And we really don't think about how uh, prevalent that can be, but when you look and you see that companies have completely lost their entire website, has been, they've been held hostage from somebody who came in and took their website, took all their data, all their information, 
it's a very troubling trend and cyber security and cyber attacks are real. And um, most companies, they don't know that they're uh, vulnerable until something happens. Well, from, from the hole in the ground all the way to the port, they're using computers. True. Th- this is a much more technical industry than it was even 10 years ago. Yes. So, yeah, cybersecurity is a big deal. And it moves right into, um, you know, homeland security and can uh, computers and data be used in a, uh, not just as far as gathering the data and taking it and doing something with it. It's also security issues. Uh, there's real threats out there, physical threats to us as well, that are going to come from the same area. So it is a very important topic as well. I think that oil and gas is definitely a, a part of looking and making sure that they are protected as well. Security, that's why they have security gates, and and uh, you know minimize their exposure uh, on cyber attacks. So they take that very seriously, and they need to. So SA to D.C. was a great trip. Great trip. A lot of fun. You know, that is a very (laughs) intoxicating city. Um, You just feel the energy. You feel the uh, power, the the, the buildings, uh, the amazing structure. And while it rained, it didn't matter. It was, it's just a beautiful city. A lot of history there too. Exactly. Yes. So moving on, current issue of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. Let's talk about that. Well, you know, Sharon Sperling, who is with, uh, Plains All-American Pipeline LLC, an important pipeline company. It's got a lot of work going on in Texas and really a, just a dynamic company. But uh, she is one of the uh, executives. She's, uh, you know, obviously we were very proud to put her on the cover. There's just not enough females in the energy industry. While we are rapidly catching up and, and that area is um, growing, um, you still we still see a little bit of a struggle with seeing many executives, female executives at that level. So we're really happy to bring her story and many other amazing women in the energy industry. They're all throughout the this latest issue of Shell Magazine. And I really encourage uh, for anyone who wants to learn more about the females, the executives in the industry, to, to uh, visit our website, which is www.shalemag.com. Uh, and you can see the latest issue online. Cover party's coming up. That's right. Cover party. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big one, too, I understand. Oh, gosh. We have uh, already received so many RSVPs for this company. And it might be also because this is kind of a little different cover than we, we've done a lot of upstream. And uh, now we're moving into the midstream area with pipeline. And so this is just a very different uh, area, a different cover. And so I think that our cover party RSVPs are, are filling up quickly. We actually have a very large party scheduled. I guess I better RSVP or y'all are going to lock the door on me. I won't e- be able to get in. Exactly, yes. Make sure you send in your RSVP, Alvin. Next issue of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine comes out, and it's going to be the March and April issue. Yes. Give us a little teaser. What are we look, What are we going to see in, in the next issue? Well, I'll give you cover. Um, our cover is actually going to be a longtime partner of ours. It's actually the Port of Victoria. And, you know, they are a, in a vital place. They definitely have an up-and-coming port. We hear a lot about the ports. There's the Houston Ship Channel, uh, the corporate Port of Corpus Christi. And the Port of Victoria is also another very dynamic port. And we really wanted to give it coverage so the people of Texas and the oil and gas folks would understand this port kind of stands alone, too, and it is really exploding. And so it's a great article that we believe will help expose this little crown jewel, uh, the Port of Victoria. So, Kim, let's kind of recap. What are some of the events that are planned upcoming for 
Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine, as well as in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, you know, Alvin, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, we really have weathered a downward turn very nicely. Um, of course, in this, you know, climate, you know, things could always be better. But it has really allowed us an opportunity, the downturn, to really excel in being what I believe is the only magazine focusing on Eagle Ford shale and uh, and still looking at the Permian Basin. But really, you know, there have been a lot of companies that have gone out of business that have allowed us to really focus on certain areas and, and capture that market. And because of that, we've also listened to our readers and they've asked for certain things, more events. Um, they want to get more involved and engaged, uh, the businesses, the local businesses. And not in areas that you would think like, let, let me increase my bottom dollar. That's always going to be there. But they want to get involved in advocacy. They want to get involved in networking with one another and helping grow each other's awareness, help it, helping to grow their brand awareness as well as um, you know, coming together and just kind of mingling. So we have a lot of great things planned for this year. Some of them will be uh, our usual events. Uh, you know, we had State of Energy last year. We'll have to. We'll have another annual State of Energy in San Antonio and in Corpus. Uh, we've talked to our partners, our chambers, and they're back on board. So we anticipate that this will happen again. However, it will have a component that will also have a um, a, a lunch and learn series as well. And uh, we also have re-signed with the Houston Energy Breakfast. They put on four uh, breakfasts a year in Houston, and it's networking energy professionals with business professionals. We are still partnering with STEER, one of our greatest uh, allies, and continuing to develop events. But the greatest one, and one of the two new events, will be uh, we will have a this advocacy group for growing networking opportunities and advocacy outreach, as well as we will have an online networking directory that will be focusing on specific areas. So if a supplier needs some company, they can go to our app and they can find a local um, supplier of that of product. that area and it'll tell them how far within their gps uh, you know how far away are they or how close are they so it'll help them get closer to vendors that they need so we have a lot of new things coming down the pike and let's and l- let's unpack that platform just a little bit when are you expecting to roll that out uh in march we'll be rolling out the new group that will be putting these together and also the new application as well so this is going to be an app that, that people can put on their phone mm-hmm and they will be able to, if somebody needs 100 miles of gas pipe, they'll be able to search out 100 miles of gas pipe and, and find it and find suppliers that have that product within different proximities of, of the area or Correct. Or, or right, now, right now it's going to focus on Eagle Ford Shell Play. And so what we are looking for are to add businesses in there free of charge to build the directory and um, when uh, there's commercial spaces on there as well, so there's the banner ads that are available. But if you are uh, in uh, Carnes County and you need to find a plumber or you need to find an electrician relatively quickly, you can go to the app, download it. It'll tell you all of the different plumbers that are in your area and within your radius. So it, it's really designed to help connect one service to another really easy through our app. And so it's, it's a great feature to have. You know, when you get out in these rural places, you don't really know who to turn to for services. And so this directory should give 
companies, oil and gas companies, and service companies the ability to, to look these up and, and locate services. It'll also help the small companies out there or the companies that are out there wanting to do business. And that's going to be a March rollout? Yes, it'll now, be if, in March. if companies in the Eagle Ford are interested in getting on that directory, how do they go about doing that? I would say that, first of all, it's not just companies in the Eagle Ford, but if you have services, if you have the ability to have uh, your boots on the ground in Eagle Ford, you're a great company. There's a lot of companies, why I'm saying that, there's a lot of companies in Corpus and in San Antonio that, you know, they have the ability to be out there in Eagle Ford and market their services out there, then we want to hear from them. And they can go to shellmag.com. There is a, a banner that says, contact us. Click on that link. They can fill in the information that they're interested in, in being a part of the directory, uh, and we'll be happy to get the information back to them on how to do that. Super. Now, in the oil patch, are what are you planning for in the oil patch over the next uh, six months to a year? Well, you know, Alvin, first of all, I can't thank you enough for jumping in this show with me. You're a great co-host, and um, and I see us honestly, hopefully, growing outside of the Texas area. And I think that um, as our numbers grow and as our following grows, uh, we will continue to grow. What I do believe has happened at this point is um, we have truly been embraced by a market that wants to learn more about oil and gas, and not so much the technical stuff because. Um, you can get too technical and, and lose a listener. Our radio show is really to, to learn together with great guests, elected officials, and other experts in the industry of oil and gas. And together we learn and uh, ask great questions. So as we grow, um, our listener pool will also grow in uh, different radio stations. And, and as a listener, you know, we, we do also want you to engage with us. If there's something that you want to know about the industry, drop us an email. It's radio at shalemag.com. Again, radio at shalemag.com. If, you know, we're going to have somebody like, um, you know, Todd Staples or Commissioner Porter or Omar from Steer or somebody else, if you have a question for those folks, email us and we'll get that question answered on the show. Well, you know, um, looking at our lineup here very soon, you know, we're scheduled to have, like you said, top staples. We will have uh, Harold Ham from Continental Resources. Leslie Shockley Byer from PESA will be on here. Uh, we're also going to have uh, William Hurd on the show. I mean, there's a lot. Congressman Babin is coming back. There's a lot of, of elected officials and very important people that are wanting to get on the show and give their point of view. So I think our show is just warming up. Um, I think we are uh, our training wheels have been kicked off, and this year we're going to continue to really uh, bring on some really amazing guests and grow uh, our radio show for the listeners so they get a better understanding of what's important. You know, we're in an election year, and I can't tell you how important it is for all of us to have a better understanding of who's who are we voting for and why. Because like my good friend Chairman Porter always says, regulatory framework in Texas really matters. And so understanding who you're voting for as a railroad commissioner is important. Understanding who you're voting for for the next president of the United States and what is their position on energy is important. And I just encourage our listeners, do your research on what candidate you want to vote for and make sure that they are uh, knowledgeable of, the, of oil and gas. And um, if you support oil, make sure they support oil too. You are exactly right. And with that, Kim, we do need to take a quick break. 
My name's Alvin Bailey alongside our host, Kim Bellotto. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box, and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here, just like I am every week in the oil patch, right alongside you, fighting for a strong, responsible, successful, and sustainable oil and gas industry right here in the great state of Texas. Both on this show and as a fleet specialist for the Caleb Auto Group, I get to keep a first-hand perspective on the hard work that goes into making this such a great industry. And trust me, I understand how important it is to maintain both your company's image, the reliability, and the integrity of your fleet and you can't break the bank doing it. So whether your fleet action plan requires leasing, buying outright, or something that falls kind of in between, I can help you. K-League Fleet Sales represents 11 brands and 16 stores that include Ford, Ram trucks, and Toyota trucks on the heavy duty side, and Lincoln, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, and Lexus on the luxury side. Hey, time is money. So our service departments offer pickup and delivery and rapid response to get you back on the road quickly. I would love the opportunity to help you keep your fleet plan rolling, so let's talk. Call me at area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can email me directly, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kaligauto, K-A-H-L-I-G-A-U-T-O dot com. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto. Well, Kim, I think it's time to welcome our very special guest onto the show today. Alex Epstein is the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, a book that puts a positive spin on an industry where, you know, Kim, there's not always a positive spin portrayed, but it puts it in a good light. Kim, why don't you take it away? Well, hi, Alex. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Alex, give us a little bit about your background. Before we get started with the show, help us understand your education and your professional life, um, and tell us a little bit about what you uh, have been working on. So I think the most relevant thing that gives me a different perspective on this issue than both the general public and the industry, because I'm not from the industry, is that my background in is in philosophy, and that's usually considered something that's pretty much useless in life. In college, I studied <laughs> philosophy and computer science, and everyone said to me, well, 
so obviously you're going to program. And I said, well, no, actually, I'm never going to program again. I'm going to be a philosopher. And that didn't seem like a very practical thing, but that's because people don't understand what philosophy is. So philosophy, and in particular moral philosophy, my book's about the morality of fossil fuels, has to do with how do we think very carefully and precisely about the most important issues in life. And I didn't learn anything about energy growing up, except I heard all sorts of what I later regarded as propaganda about the fossil fuel industry. I certainly didn't learn anything positive. Uh, but through a series of steps in my mid-20s, and that means about 10 years ago, I became fascinated by energy. And when I encountered it, I found that the way people think about it makes absolutely no sense. So, for example, in philosophy, a basic rule of thinking is that you have to look very carefully at both the positives and negatives of all the alternatives. You need to think big picture. And yet, when we think about energy, we're taught to only think about negatives with fossil fuels, but not positives. And with green energy, we're taught to only think about positives, but not negatives. So that's obviously a prejudice. It's a bias. It makes no sense. And yet we do it. And in the course of my work, I identified other biases in our thinking. And above all, I think the most important one is that when we think about fossil fuels morally, we don't really think about it in terms of maximizing human well-being. We'd like to think we do. We'd like to think that we care about human beings. But in practice, our thinking does not care about human beings. People are much more obsessed with the percentage of CO2 in the atmosphere than the percentage of people who live to age 70. And the moral case for fossil fuels is really about taking a human-centered perspective on the issue, and it identifies that if you do that, you consider that fossil fuels are an indispensable tool to human progress, and we should be aspiring to use more of them, not less. Well, it's clear, Alex, that there's a large segment of our population that has been taught what to think and not how to think. Yeah, by large segment, I would basically mean, uh, I'd say basically 100%. Well, Alex, I wanted to, in every sense I heard about your book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, I wanted to have you on our show. And the reason is that it's so hard to find anyone who will put a positive spin on our energy industry. And there's just not enough proponents in the media to balance out the misguided information that ends up on everyone's TV, radio, talk show. And so, Alex, I kind of want to talk a little bit about first... Um, you know, how did you end up becoming an author of this book? And and I know you talked a little bit about why you were motivated, but um, was there one specific thing that came in that kind of made you really say, okay, I'm going to write a book about this, as opposed to you could have, you know, done a million different things in the way of getting the word out on fossil fuels, but you chose a book. So was there one specific thing that, that guided you to that direction? Well, my main focus was to figure out the issue for myself which for a philosopher really means to have a theory of it. So it's not a theory in the formal sense, but to have a full understanding of how do we think about this issue? Is this good? Is it not? In what ways is it good? In what ways is it not good? And thus, I had a lot of work preceding the moral case for fossil fuels that explored many of these issues. And I debated many prominent representatives of environmentalist groups to test what I believed against what they said. Uh, I had and have a a podcast called Power Hour where I would explore these issues with many different experts in the field, sometimes agreeing, sometimes challenging them. Uh, But I always knew that if you want to have a movement and if you really want to change people's minds, you need your theory presented in very clear terms and 
a book is the time-tested form of presenting new ideas because you need the space to uh, to present it. You need to give people enough material to really understand what you're saying because they need both the explanations of all the nuances and enough examples for all of those explanations to make sense. Uh, and really the people who determine how a culture goes are what we can call thought leaders. And thought leaders deal in books. So there's a misconception today that the course of a society is determined by the tweets or by Facebook or by other forms uh, of rather superficial communication, but it's still overwhelmingly determined by big ideas, and, and those almost always originate from books or perhaps longer blogs or maybe even some podcasts, podcasts these days. Uh, and Facebook and Twitter are very influential, but they are very much conduits for those ideas. Either people recommend books on those media or they are mimicking or, or uh, spreading or or uh, in some way reiterating ideas that they get from books. So uh, logistically what happened is in the fall of 2013, uh, a guy named Wes Neff, who works for Lico, which is a, a prominent book agent, he just emailed me because he had read uh, an essay of mine called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, which was meant to be a synthesis of my thinking thus far, but it was probably 12 or 16 pages or something like that. And he said this would make a great book. You know, we could sell it to a top publisher. And I didn't believe him, but I certainly thought it was worth a try. And we ended up selling it to Penguin, which is one of the top publishers in the world. So at that point, basically someone was saying, hey, we're going to pay you to write exactly what you want and exactly what you think needs to exist in the world. And that was the perfect offer. Well, before we start really getting into what's in the book, it's a wonderful book. I do encourage our listeners to read it, go and buy it. It's well worth the read because there's a lot of interesting information. But your book has also been featured in like the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Investors Business Daily, uh, The Objective Standard, and other numerous publications. You'll actually also be in our publication, this next issue coming out, Shell Magazine. But I guess I wanted to ask you, um, in the Wall Street Journal, there was a title that says, Renouncing Oil and Its Byproducts Would Plunge Civilization into Pre-Industry Hell, a fact developing countries keenly realize. That's a brilliant topic, and we do want to stay with this, but we, we've got to take a break right now. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto, visiting today with the author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, author Alex Epstein. And we'll be right back. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, 
shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box, and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Alex Epstein. Kim? Well, before we start really getting into what's in the book, it's a wonderful book. I do encourage our listeners to read it. Go and buy it. It's well worth the read because there's a lot of interesting information. But your book has also been featured in, like, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Investor's Business Daily, Uh, the Objective Standard, and other numerous publications. You'll actually also be in our publication, this next issue coming out, Shell Magazine. But I guess I wanted to ask you, um, in the Wall Street Journal, there was a title that says, Renouncing Oil and Its Byproducts Would Plunge Civilization into Pre-Industry Hell, a fact developing countries keenly realize. Let's discuss that statement. What were you thinking? First, I should say that statement was the formulation of the reviewer, not of me. And he did capture an element of my book, although I don't quite agree with the emphasis. And this is what I mean by that. There's an emphasis these days among advocates of fossil fuels on the issue of energy poverty, which is a very important issue. And it it refers to the fact that basically half the world has virtually no energy by our standards. And given that energy is the fuel of all the machines and civilizations and modern life requires being a machine-based civilization rather than a manual labor-based civilization. It is indeed a catastrophic problem for people who don't have energy. And it's, it's, it's a huge issue that billions of people don't have energy. And it's often pointed out that without fossil fuels, uh, many, if not most of these people have no hope of getting uh, you know, getting that level of energy. There are, of course, a lot of other associated things, uh, namely political freedom, that are necessary for that to happen uh, as well. But sometimes I see that focus on energy poverty in the following form. Well, yeah, coal, oil, gas, they're not that good, but people need them to have a better life than they do now. But there's an implication that for us, in the wealthier parts of the world, well, coal, oil, and gas are somehow antiquated. And I don't think 
but that's true at all. I think it's the equivalent of saying, hey, there are lots of places in the world that don't have steel, that don't have modern buildings, that don't have modern machines made of steel, so they need steel, but, but we still need steel too. Because, why? Because steel is the best, most efficient way of, uh, of providing the materials to build different things, just as coal, oil, natural gas technologies are in most cases the best ways of providing energy. So I think it's very important that fossil fuels be seen as a life-enhancing technology that is, a, uh, that is essential for every, you know, every degree of wealth that exists in the world. And it's just as important, uh, it's important to alleviate energy poverty, but it's also important to further human progress. And, you know, many of the enemies of fossil fuels will often say, well, we have too much energy or we have just enough or whatever. And it's important to note that they were saying this in the late 70s about what they considered the most extravagant form of energy of all, which was electricity. And if we had listened to them and we had cut back on electricity, what would have happened? Uh, you know, the whole modern world wouldn't have happened. Well, one of the most interesting uh, topics of conversation that we can have is this administration and their view or their war on uh, the energy industry. Tell me a little bit about um, what you feel has been happening with the administration and um, their uh, position that they've had for the past couple of years. Well, candidate Obama was very, very explicit running for president about his views of the fossil fuel industry. He gave a speech in 2007 in Detroit on the tyranny of oil and how the age of oil must end in our time. And the alleged justification for that is that fossil fuels, including oil, are a self-destructive addiction that is going to ruin the planet that we depend upon. And there are different variants of this. Uh, the most popular one right now is that they will cause climate catastrophe by increasing the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere from 0.03% to 0.04% or eventually 0.05%. So I have my views of whether this is true and basic summary is it's completely bizarre to say that it will cause a catastrophe to cause minor change is very different than causing uh, a catastrophe in any in any case this was obama's view and he has actually carried it out less than he promised to now he, the degree to which he's carried it out has been enormously destructive most directly to the coal industry but uh, certainly to the oil and gas industry but under his administration the whole suite of shale energy technologies, including most prominently hydraulic fracturing or, or fracking, have proliferated and, and created energy abundance. And my explanation for that in the moral case for fossil fuels is that Obama didn't really know about those technologies. Had he known about them, had they been on the table in public discussion, we may well not have had this energy revolution. So he is somebody who believes in what I call the moral case against fossil fuels, and he is, insofar as he's waging war against them, he's acting consistently with that moral case against fossil fuels. So I think the the fundamental answer to that is to know the moral case for fossil fuels, and to know what's wrong with the moral case against fossil fuels. Well, I'm a I'm a firm believer that maybe not in our lifetime, but in the next hundred years, I believe we are going to develop alternative sources of energy. However. We've got fossil fuels to work with right now. We don't have alternative forms of energy. So if we were to turn those spigots off, what, what do you think life would look like then if we didn't have 
fossil fuels to uh, to power us in today's world? Well, I mean, we know what life, or we should be taught at least in schools, what life was like 200, 300 years ago. I mean, it was nasty, brutish, and short to paraphrase the philosopher Hobbes. You know, it talks about the state of nature, how life is solitary, brutish, nasty, and short. And, yeah, if you're a man, I mean, if, if you don't have machine fuel, then you don't have machines that are usable, and then you have to live by manual labor, and then you can't produce nearly enough to survive most of the time. Uh, but with the, the alternative energy view, I think it's very charitable to treat, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I see this often, to treat uh, the opponents of fossil fuels as advocates of alternatives, and it's incredibly unjust to treat advocates of fossil fuels uh, as opposed to alternatives. So I'll use the example of steel again. To say steel is a great material, that the steel industry is a great industry, that they have all sorts of great technologies, and to appreciate the work they do and to advocate the growth of steel where appropriate, you know, where, where people need it and it's the best solution, is not to say that you're against other materials. And it may be that the steel industry is the one developing those other materials. It's a brilliant answer, and we've got a lot more to talk about, but we do need to take a break right now. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Amerijet's global cargo shipping and freight forwarding network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. Shipping manufactured oversized parts, oil and gas field equipment, or supplies domestically or internationally? Amerijet is your full-service multimodal transportation and logistics provider, offering domestic and international scheduled all-cargo transport via land, sea, and air. Amerijet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S., with more than 625 destinations worldwide, providing global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our 40-plus years of experience in the energy industry will help drive your excellent performance. Let Amerijet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. From oversized hazardous materials, which include oil and lubricants and heavy weight cargo, to your chosen destination. For on-time delivery, Amerijet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call Amerijet at 844-651-7956. Once again, that's 844-651-7956. Or visit us at Amerijet.com. Ever feel like you've hit a wall with your business? Like you haven't been able to turn the corner on a new avenue for your company? Well, Turning Point Strategies is here to help. Turning Point Strategies is for those startup companies or companies that have been doing very well, but maybe want to move to the next level or are at a turning point. They're looking to think outside the box and that's where we come in. We provide those different strategies to help them turn the corner at that point where they need consulting services. At Turning Point Strategies, we can not only help you turn the corner, we will give you insight on how to prevent yourself from hitting another plateau. We have helped a lot of different companies at many different levels succeed. Call us today at 210-227-5678. Again, that number is 210-227-5678. And visit our website, turningpointstrategies.com. Again, that's turningpointstrategies.com. Are you at your turning point? Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here, just like I am every week in the oil patch, right alongside you, fighting for a strong, responsible, successful, and sustainable oil and gas industry right here in the great state of Texas. Both on this show and as a fleet specialist for the Caleb Auto Group, I get to keep a first-hand perspective on the hard work that goes into making this such a great industry. And trust me, I understand how important it is to maintain both your company's image, the reliability, and the integrity of your fleet and you can't break the bank doing it. So whether your fleet action plan requires leasing, buying outright, or something that falls kind of in between, 
I can help you. Kalig Fleet Sales represents 11 brands and 16 stores that include Ford, Ram trucks, and Toyota trucks on the heavy-duty side, and Lincoln, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, and Lexus on the luxury side. Hey, time is money, so our service departments offer pickup and delivery and rapid response to get you back on the road quickly. I would love the opportunity to help you keep your fleet plan rolling, so let's talk. Call me at area code 830-480-3656. Again, 830-480-3656. Or you can email me directly, abailey at kaligauto.com. That's abailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, at kaligauto, K-A-H-L-I-G-A-U-T-O.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, Alex Epstein. Kim? So, Alex, um, you bring up some very interesting points. I was watching when uh, the Sierra Club was testifying to Congress, and Senator Cruz was uh, also there. And Senator Cruz kept inquiring as to what study and what research were they reflecting that scientists are discussing that we are still uh, in the middle of this global warming. And I was kind of amazed to see that the Sierra Club's president could not answer directly, where is all this real research and data at that uh, an average person can find that would clearly show universities, scientists, by their names, of who is conducting these studies that's saying, that is basically saying that we do still have global warming. I mean, I think that there's an argument that the world is always changing. We always have. But... To one degree or another, we're going to change. Um, so did you see that testimony, and what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I did see that testimony. The basic subject of the testimony was, or at least that uh, the Sierra Club president raised and made it the subject, was the claim that 97% of climate scientists agree with. And then I'm pausing there, not because I forgot, but because nobody is very clear on what they agree about. So usually the, the word that will, or words that will be filled in there are climate change or global warming. But to go back to philosophy, you have to be very clear with terminology what you mean. And to just say climate change, that doesn't even make clear whether it's man-made or not. And it certainly doesn't make clear the magnitude of it. But that the magnitude is everything because one degree – you know, over 100 years is very different than 10 degrees, and two inches of sea level rise are very different than 20 feet of sea level rise. So one of the things you'd want to know is what they agree on, and then two, you would want to know what their evidence is. It can be a lead to a good idea to know that, hey, a lot of people agree with it. Hey, that might be worth exploring, but that itself is not proof at all. And what was interesting about the Sierra Club person is he could not say what they believe or why it's true. He just made what's called a blind appeal to authority. But he, he couldn't even say what the authority wanted him, uh, what the authority even believed. And this just shows the mindlessness of our discussion about this issue and how political it is in the sense that it's all just mashing words together in order to get some sort of political action where the government can force us to use a lot less energy. Uh, these people, these alleged scientists, insofar as they are scientists and some of the representatives are, uh, they are political actors. They're manipulators. They're not trying to clearly explain what is true and why. They are trying to give certain people power 
and they're doing that by intimidating people on the basis of their title of scientist or the organization that they belong to or the university that they belong to. And that is uh, a time-tested way of committing all kinds of atrocities and injustices. So anytime somebody says something, I want to know what exactly do you mean and how can you prove it? And that Sierra Club guy certainly could not do either. And so when Cruz pointed out, hey, there's satellite data, uh, there's satellite data, the guy just kept saying 97%, 97%. But if you if you understood the 97% or if there was a 97%, which there isn't, then you could explain how that satellite data either didn't exist or didn't refute your theory. But you have no theory. You just have intimidation. Well, I think the thing that um, I, too, am not of the industry, and one of the things that makes no sense to me is if we have the capability of talking in other areas uh, in a global way to other countries, uh, things that are like uh, pertaining to different countries and wars and money situations, why is it that we uh, seem to have an issue where we can't seem to talk to the rest of the world if we really have a problem with this um, global warming scenario, then to me, it makes no sense that an elected official actually sits there and talks about how we need to tax on um, admission, air admissions, and we need to uh, tax the energy industry, and we need to do all these things. We need to look into soul, wind, and other sources of alternative fuel. But yet, if we have such a big problem with the world, and this is such a scary thing that's occurring, why are we not engaging other countries that we know have absolutely nothing that they are utilizing to help curtail uh, any part of, of global warming. I, I just don't quite understand when this is not occurring how the United States could be uh, the world. It's not. It's a country. So what are your thoughts on that? Why is Why are those discussions really – there are discussions, I know, in Paris and stuff, but nothing really of great substance to me is, is coming forward. I think your point to get an important phenomenon, which is common and is always worth scrutinizing, which is a large divergence between claimed conviction and action in reality. And there's this claimed conviction that fossil fuels are destroying the planet through catastrophic climate change and we need to change immediately. And then in practice, you don't see any of the actions taken that would be needed to deal with that in a serious way. Correct. You certainly don't see constructive actions such as more hydroelectric dams or more nuclear power plants or more, in some cases, you know, you might get there by having more uh, natural gas plants. I'm not favoring any of those. I'm just saying that if, if you believe there is a catastrophe, you would head in that direction. And yet, who are the biggest opponents of nuclear, hydro, and natural gas, it's its the catastrophists, it's the Greens. And you also see that they don't, yeah, they don't take seriously pressuring people like China to do different things. And then some people will point out rightly that you see all these conferences and then just all flying in private jets. So they're, they're personalized. It doesn't seem to bother them too much that they are, you know, massive, massive emitters of CO2. So there's a sense in which people believe it, and there's a sense in which they don't really believe it with conviction, but they want other people to believe it enough to give them power. And this is true of many bad ideas. The ideas are are things that people believe enough 
to submit to power-lusting people who want to control their lives. So when they make these resolutions about, hey, we're going to have 33% renewables in two decades or that kind of thing, that in no way whatsoever would deal with the problem as they define it, but it certainly gives them a lot of power and it gives them a lot of prestige, and those are two of the biggest human motivators. We've got a lot more to talk about, but we do need to take a break right now. You're listening to In the Oil Patch. We'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Support for In the Oil Patch comes from the West Texas Energy Consortium, connecting rural West Texas communities, where members and partners communicate about common issues, challenges, and workable solutions, as well as educating future energy industry leaders. For more information about the West Texas Energy Consortium, visit their website at www.wtxec.org or give them a call at 325-795-4206. The West Texas Energy Consortium, where capitalizing on regional energy growth means power in partnership. Hey, 2016 is a great time to grow your business, and there is no time like the present to improve the awareness of your brand. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey, along with our host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, Alex Epstein. So, Alex, uh, pretty interesting information. Um, I've under- I understand that a couple of uh, energy companies have uh, read your book and really, truly uh, appreciate what and the way that it was written and have uh, tried really hard to help their um, employees understand how to discuss the topic of energy. And um, you've gone to a couple of uh, places and have, uh, or a couple of companies and also uh, talked to their staff. So talking about, this must really be a great book. It is a great book. But I want to talk a little bit about when you were creating, when you were writing the book, what were some of the most interesting facts that you discovered in your research? Were there a few things that really stood out that um, made you um, think like, hmm, that's strange, or very interesting things to know? 
Well, some of these will be things that I, I knew before the book and some I discovered during the book. But the basic cause of all of them is that I look at everything from a human life perspective. And so there, if you start looking at the relationship between fossil fuels and all aspects of life, you find out lots and lots of fascinating things. So I'll just run off a couple of them. Uh, and some they're all in the book. Some of them require more explanation. One is I credit the fossil fuel industry with solving world hunger. So I'll just leave it at that, and people can look in the book to see why. Okay. Uh, if you look at the phenomenon of the of danger we face from the climate, which is, is best measured in number of climate-related deaths from things like storms and floods and extreme heat and extreme cold, uh, people tend to think that that's something that's gotten worse. Uh, to give you a sense of it, there were years in the 1930s when you had uh, adjusted for today's population 10 million climate-related deaths a year. Now we have under 30,000 climate-related deaths a year, which shows that nature doesn't give us a safe climate that we make dangerous. It gives us a dangerous climate that we make safe, and fossil fuels are a big part of providing the energy we need to protect ourselves from the climate. Uh, two other trends that are really interesting are the more fossil fuels we use, the more we have, which goes into the role of human ingenuity, and that fossil fuels don't take a clean environment and make it dirty. They take a naturally dirty environment to make it far, far cleaner. There are a lot, a lot of dimensions about this, uh, of this. I mean, really, if you look at every indicator of environmental quality, it's improved with the increase of fossil fuels. Uh, but one obvious one is water. So we're, we're taught that, hey, nature gives us abundant clean water as if just the whole world is flowing with Evian and Perrier and that kind of thing. And, you know, we just have plenty to drink. Whereas in reality, what we have is water, drinking water is generally quite inaccessible, and it's often quite undrinkable. And what we need to do is we need to move it to the places where it's needed, and we need to purify it to be drinkable. And both of those require lots and lots of energy, both to build the infrastructure and to run it. And so it's, it's no coincidence that clean water access is at an all-time high, and that it correlates with fossil fuel use because fossil fuel use is, is uh, usually the most economical form of energy use, and energy use is, is uh, crucial for clean water. So we don't nature doesn't give us the clean water we need. We need to create it, and the same phenomenon is true for all kinds of other things like disease in the air, you know, rates of disease going down, uh, sanitation going up in in the book. And on the website, moralcaseforfossilfuels.com, uh, people can see all the data from the book. You'll just see there are all these amazing improvements in environmental quality, even though fossil fuels are supposedly dirty. But, but really, nothing compares in dirtiness to nature. So fossil fuels help us clean up nature, and they themselves also become cleaner and cleaner. So with those two aspects, uh, their use makes the world cleaner and cleaner. Alex, great job unpacking that thought. And to carry on with that, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that are disseminated to the general population about the oil and gas industry? Well, I think the, the three core ones I, I addressed in one way or another, but it's, it's helpful to uh, to just put them in, in, in clear categories. So there's the idea that they, you know, that they've taken a safe climate and made it dangerous, when in fact they've taken a dangerous climate and made it safe. There's the premise that they've taken a clean environment and made it dirty, when in fact they've taken a dirty environment and made it clean. And there's the premise that they take a resource-rich planet and make it resource-poor, whereas in fact they take a planet that's naturally resource-poor for human purposes and make it far more 
resource rich. So an example of that would be the shale energy revolution. That was just useless rocks under the ground until the industry turned it from a useless raw material into a valuable uh, resource. So those are those are the big three uh, because they're they're viewed as the reasons why the industry is bad, and they're actually illustrations of how it's good. The name of the book is The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and if somebody wants to get a copy of this book, what's the easiest way to do that? Easiest way is moralcaseforfossilfuels.com. You can get uh, you can get a preview of the book. You can get a single copy. You can get multiple copies. You can donate a copy to a student. Uh, that's the best. And if people want a catch-all for everything that we do, if they just go to industrialprogress.com, that's industrialprogress.com, and uh, I'd recommend entering your your email address for our newsletter. That'll give you. Uh, you know, all the regular updates on all the new podcasts and articles and interviews like this one that come out. It's a brilliant book. Your website, one more time? Industrialprogress.com. Industrialprogress.com. Well, Alex, um, just quickly, I think I saw, isn't your book also on Amazon? You can purchase it there? Oh, of course. Uh, people always ask. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. And I, I actually spent a couple of days in the studio reading the book. So if you like listening to audiobooks and you don't hate my voice, then try listening to that. But yeah, you can get all of that at, at Amazon.com for sure. And just to remind people of one more address, if they want to know how to talk to anyone about energy, they can check out energychampion.net. But industrialprogress.com is the main one because that will direct you to everything else. Well, Alex, I want to thank you once again for being on our show. And this has been a very enlightening experience speaking with you. And I hope to talk to you very soon. Please feel free to let us know if you're working on a special project or going to do a a big tour. We'd love to help um, get the word out. Thank you so much for what you do in helping bring information forward on energy and energy topics. And thank you for being a guest on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun, and thanks to everyone in the industry for making our lives possible, even though you get criticized all the time unjustly. Kim, we had a great show today. Alex Epstein, thank you so much for being our guest. We learned so much about you and your exciting book, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and we hope to have you back on the show in the future. And Kim, I think it's time to do some trivia. Hey, if you're the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shalemag.com, you'll win a $75 gift certificate to the beautiful and tasty Palm Restaurant in Houston. That's right, Alvin. Today's trivia question. What is the name of Alex Epstein's organization, which he founded in 2011 in response to the Green Movement? Please email your response to radio at shalemag.com. Remember, that's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. The first correct email will win the $75 gift certificate to the Palm Restaurant in Houston, Texas. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.